Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Homestand Sports, the podcast for the passionate fan. I'm your host, Justin Pooney, and I'm joined by my special guest co-host, Steven Sohoyas of North Star Bets, who will tell me why I am delusional for drinking the Canucks Kool-Aid. On today's show... Can those same Canucks sustain their hot start to this season? After three straight wins and a new head coach, has Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers finally turned the corner ahead of a massive test in Tampa? And has hockey's chosen one, Connor Bedard, lived up to the hype so far this season? There's a lot to get to and answer. So let's get this party started. I'm Justin Pooney. This is Homestand Sports, where stories, not stats, Take center stage. All right, Stevie, as you know, I've been drinking that Canucks Kool-Aid. Why not? Second best team in the Pacific Division. One of the best teams, one of the best, probably the best story in the NHL so far this season. But can my Vancouver Canucks sustain this hot start for the remainder of the season? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, because when you look at two things in particular, they tell you specifically that this has kind of been a little bit of mirage. The first is shooting percentage. They're shooting up over 14%. No other team is shooting above 12. So that's that's one red flag. The second has been the goaltending, which, you know what, Thatcher Demko's good goalie. He's allowed to play good hockey. But it has been a little higher than we've seen from him throughout his career. Same with Casey DeSmith, who... Maybe had a little bit of a correction start on Thursday night against the Flames. But nonetheless, I think those two stats show that they're a, a little they're playing a little bit over their head right now. I still think this is a good team with lots of, of talented offensive players. This is a playoff caliber team that has underwhelmed, I think, through the last few years. It's important to keep in mind that while this team has struggled and there's been a lot of growing pains, they've been exactly that. They're a young team that's kind of growing through things and sorting things out. They're a playoff team, no doubt. But are they as good as what their record says, which is like a top three team in the league? I'm going to say no. See, I They're not push... a top 10 team. I'll, I'll put it like that. They're not a They're top, not a 10, top 10, 10 team. team. Okay, I'm going to push back a little bit because when you look at the stat leaders in the NHL, I think number one, two, three are Vancouver Canucks in Elias, Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, JT Miller. Look... Their best players are playing their best hockey when it matters the most, right? I think we've seen, we always thought that Kale McCarr was the best defenseman in hockey, and it was a big gap. Well, Quinn Hughes has closed that gap, and now, according to North Star Bets, he's the favorite to win the Norris Trophy, right? So when I look at this team, Elias Pettersson, plus 1,000 to win the Hart Trophy, again, leading the league in points. When I look at this team, and again, I'm trying to be very objective, Stevie. It's very hard for me to be objective in this situation. But I do agree. There is going to be some sort of regression. But they're not going to. the bottom's not going to fall out from this team. This team has now as a coach in Rick Tockett, who before with Bruce Brujo and Travis Green, didn't really have an identity. This team now has an identity. They play hard. They play smart. Right? They play 
a brand of hockey where I believe is sustainable for this NHL. Their power play is second best in the NHL. And you see it. Again, it didn't work completely to their advantage on Saturday night in Toronto. But you saw it against the Islanders. The Islanders were going to the box and what happened? The Canucks made them pay. 33%. Now again, their penalty kill can get a lot better. They're near the bottom half of the league in in penalty killing situations. If that can improve, there's room for improvement for that team. Their injuries have it. Carson Soucy's now at six to eight weeks. We've seen Andre Kuzmenko hit in the face with a puck, so we don't know about that. So what I'm saying is, Stevie, I agree with you in the sense that, yes, they're not going to be winning at this clip, but this team now, the way I see them playing and the way that their best players are going this season, it's completely within the realm of possibility that they can challenge Vegas for the Pacific Division. I, I still I will push back on that by saying... I think Vegas is a little bit more complete when you look at the way the, the lineup is built. Like I think Vegas can roll four lines, and that's the type of play that we see really dominate come playoff time. You're right. The Vancouver's top stars are, are have been dominant in the regular season. They've been excellent. But I still worry when it comes time for the playoffs and your top guys go cold. How many times have we seen this with a team like the Maple Leafs? When their top guys go cold, all of a sudden, you know, there's not a lot behind them that's mm-hmm. propping this team up. So I just worry that one of those top guys stop firing on all cylinders, that we, we get a Canucks team that maybe isn't looking as dominant, scoring four or five goals a night like they are right now. Yeah, I think, Stevie, now you look at sports in the landscape, I mean, your bills, right? Head coaching and coaching has been an issue for them all season. When I look at Rick Talk and I look at his staff with guys like Henrik and Daniel Sedin, Sergey Gonchar, Adam Foote, Mike Yo, guys who have won Stanley Cups as coaches, guys who have played in high-pressure moments or high-pressure situations, they can drop some wisdom on these players that, again, are experiencing, this franchise is experiencing their first real success like this for the first time in 10 years, right? How important do you think that is to help a team get through difficult stretches because it's bound to happen eventually? I'll be honest. I'm under the impression that I think, especially in hockey, coaching matters very little. I think on the margins, I, I'd say that there's only a couple of coaches that really make a difference, and it's just because of their style mm-hmm. of coaching. Uh, the rest I would view as the same. Talking, I mean, hey, I, I'm, I'm the verdict's not out yet that he, maybe he is one of these coaches that does make a difference. But the coaches that do, I think, make it a difference are, are usually negative. They negatively impact their team uh, I'm, and, or positively. And it's usually for short spurts, like, uh, like a John T- Tortorella, for example. Mm. He, when he takes over a team, that team embodies a certain uh, character trait that it didn't have before, like the Blue Jackets. They were a very defensive, uh, defensively stingy team under him. They had some playoff success, beating the Lightning and all that. But the message went stale pretty quickly. Barry Trotz, whenever he takes over a team, you know it's going to be a lower-scoring style of play. It's going to be defense first. Same with a guy like Rick Bonus. Like I'm not saying that these guys make a positive or negative impact, really. Yeah. But I, I don't think that they, like, the coaching, I'd say, like, out of the 32 coaches in the league right now, I'd say, like, 25 of them really don't matter. So that's, that's interesting. Look at a team that's lo- interesting. You, so you think coaching is almost on the irrelevant side, right? It's more up to the players and this. And but when you think, you look at it, like a team like Tampa Bay and the system and the culture that John Cooper's developed over the years, that has to mean something for the fact that they won multiple Stanley Cups. Or even when you look at Mike Sullivan and how they built that culture in Pittsburgh with Rick Talkett there, Jim Rutherford there, how they built that culture to win back-to-back Stanley Cups. Don't you think that coaching has some sort of way to at least building a system and a culture? to create a successful team? 
For sure, I think there's a short list. I'd put the guys that I'd put right now in the league on that short list, though, are really like John Cooper, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to think of like I mean Tortorella doesn't have he doesn't have the the players in in Philly to really yeah. do what he wants. That's a team that's it's going through a rebuild right now. Their best players are still coming up through the system, but the the list is really short. I I, I really don't think that there's many coaches that make a huge difference. Look at a guy like Bruce Cassidy. His the biggest knock against him was when he was with the Bruins. It was you know what he couldn't win the big one with this Bruins team. You take him to the Cup, and the message got stale, and he was gone. But as soon as he goes to Vegas, he wins the Stanley Cup in his first year. Mm-hmm. There goes any doubts or any questions about his ability to win the big one. I don't. I I really I think more so than anything, coaches in the NHL have a very short shelf life, and they make an impact when they're there at first because of the shock of the the coach being fired. Look at Edmonton. We'll talk about the Oilers, too, a little bit later on. Uh, You know, you get a new coach at Chris Noblock. It's kind of a shock to the system of the team saying, okay, we better pick it up. But I don't think if the Oilers go on a a run, they win the cup, let's say, under Chris Noblock. I don't think anybody's going to say, wow, this guy is, is, you know, put him on the short list of greatest coaches in the league right now. Mm -hmm. I still think it'd be wait-and-see territory with a guy like that. Well, you teed it up perfectly because coming up after this break, we're going to dive deeper into the Edmonton Oilers, a team that could be finally back to being that Stanley Cup contender. All right, Stevie, the Edmonton Oilers, as we mentioned earlier, fired Jay Woodcroft about a week or so, almost a week now, and they've won three straight games under new head coach Chris Knobloch. They head over to the southeast of the United States for a massive four-game trip. Stevie, has McDavid, Dreisaitl, and crew turned the corner, and are they back to be considered a Stanley Cup contender? I'm in wait-and-see territory still when it comes to the Oilers. Yeah, it's been nice. You know, they've been in a couple, I don't want to say pushover teams, mm-hmm. but definitely not not a list of who's who's. We're not going to say that the Kraken and the Islanders uh, are, uh, you know, teams that should be feared right now. So I'm going to I'm gonna just stop short of saying they're fully back, and we'll see what happens in Tampa Bay. That's a, that's a good test. I know the Lightning, it's been a little up and down without Andre Vasilevsky between the pipes. The offense has been there. They've had their struggles in, uh, in net uh, and in their own zone this season. They haven't been the most offensively responsible team thus far. But that's a, that's a game where I think you'll get to see if Edmonton is fully back or not because they'll be really pushed, I think, offensively in that game to come up with some big goals against a Lightning team that's going to put a lot of pressure on the defense and goaltending. See, I think, and I said this one earlier this week when with Albert when he we, they first fired uh, Jay Woodcroft. I said McDavid and Drysaddle weren't scoring, right? And then what happened? The first game, Chris Knobloch comes in as coach against the Islanders. McDavid kind of scores that greasy goal, like goes right through Sorokin's arm, and it kind of just trickles in. And then McDavid said after the game, he's like, "Oh, I, I remembered, I can score, right?" And you saw that beautiful goal. And Steve, that goal against uh, Seattle. That's actually such a difficult goal to score, but McDavid made it look so easy. Drysaddle's playing a lot better. That pass to McDavid on that goal against the Islanders, that's why he's the best passer in hockey. I think now that we're seeing the two big guys starting to you know get their confidence back up and they're scoring, Evander Kane, a natural hat trick. That game against Seattle was a typical game for the Oilers this year where they get down and they would just kind of fold up and it would be over. They come back. They tie it up late in the third period, and they go in overtime, and they win. And I think, look, 
I agree with what you said last block about the coaching. If Chris Knobloch comes in, the Oilers come back and win the Cup, it might not solely be on him. But what I do think is when I look at him and I look at his style of coaching, he's a guy who is going to let these players be them, but you can't sacrifice defensively. Right, And we're seeing that now. Stuart Skinner, the last three games, has played a lot better, showing you that he's not an elite goalie, but he's a, a serviceable starter in the NHL, I would say. So to me, and when I look at this situation is, look, when those two big guys are back doing what they do best, and that's putting up a whole bunch of points and nobody can stop them, that creates so much less burden on guys like Hyman, Kane, Nugent Hopkins, Holloway. The list goes on and on where... They can just play their game because when those guys are playing and they're taking up so much time and space for the other team, it opens up everything else on the ice. And I also want to give credit to Darnell Nurse. I know in Edmonton, he's the biggest whipping boy in Edmonton because of the contract and all that. But the last three games I've seen Darnell Nurse play, he's playing very well. So I understand what you're seeing on the, on the wait and see aspect of it. But when I look at this team play and I see those two big guys and I see them play with confidence... I think that in the specific division, look, we talked about the Canucks, right? But they're they're a newfound success. Other than Vegas, who's really in the Oilers' way to stop them in the Pacific division? I agree. And before I get into talking a little bit more about no block, I just want to say I really agree with your point there on Darnell Nurse. There's not a lot of help around him in Edmonton. It's easy for your numbers to look bad when you're carrying the weight of almost an entire defense score. I know they've added guys like Ekholm, uh, that's about it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, since since he's been there, as far as impact defenders go, so I think he gets unfair criticism. But my point is here with no block, and you know what, say what you want. I really think more so than the individual themselves. I think it's just the fact of a coach being fired that makes the players go, "Oh shoot! Like we better get this thing going, otherwise I'm on the chopping block block next." I think that's the bigger message that's sent when a new coach comes in and uh, an old coach goes i mean mcdavid had 150 plus points last year i'm pretty sure jay woodcroft had a pretty good idea on how to use Connor mcdavid you know like the dry settle was number two in points i i think this is more so just the oilers realizing that they're in a hole management is taking this seriously and if we don't turn this around we're next on the block i i i, I do agree with you i do think they have looked better Lately, Edmonton, they won those games, and they, those were games, like you said, where they didn't quit or fold despite falling behind early or facing some adversity. But I do want to see it against a team of the Lightning, who I think is a legit playoff-caliber team. Yeah, I think when you look at the Western Conference, and the you got Colorado, you got Vegas, but then after that, it's kind of just like, yes, L.A., Dallas, but then the Oilers are right there. Seattle hasn't looked very good. We look, Jonathan Huberto had like a hurrah moment because he finally scored a goal last night. So we know what's going on in Calgary. <laughs> it hasn't looked, we know what the troubles in Winnipeg and all of that. St. Louis is kind of in the middle of a rebuild. I When I look at this Western Conference, it's obviously not as stacked as the Eastern Conference, right? And I think with a team like the Oilers who have such immense talent and know how to play well, I believe that if they get going and they get going right, they can beat anybody in the league. And it just comes with this Oilers team. It came to, when I looked at them, it was so much to do was in between the ears, the confidence, the the mental aspect of it. They were squeezing the sticks too tight. They had too much pressure. When they play freely and they're just playing and reacting, Stevie, we know there's a reason why they were cup favorites at the start of the year. So I think the Oilers have turned the corner. And like you mentioned, 
They needed that shakeup. They needed that shakeup to kind of wake them up and kind of like, okay, you know, these things can happen in, in, in hockey. It's a business. Jay Woodcroft had the best season since 1986 for the Edmonton Oilers and then lost his job, right? So when I look at the Oilers, I believe that they sometimes with teams like that, again, Pittsburgh, I think it was when they fired Michelle Therrien and they brought in Dan Bosma. They went on to win the Stanley Cup right after. Teams that are that talented and have that have had experience like that, sometimes you need to just wake them up a little bit. And it's a harsh reality in sports, but that kind of woke up the Oilers. And I think let's see now what happens when they go out east and how they come back home. And we're, let's just reassess where they are in December. But I'm definitely a big believer in the Edmonton Oilers. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I mean, like I said earlier this week on the show, once they fired Woodcroft, I put down on the Oilers to win the yeah. Cup 20-1 to 1 over at North Star Bets. I think that's a good number right now. It because is. Because all you've got to do is squeak into the playoffs in a weak Western Conference, like you said, and then let the chips fall where they fall because mm-hmm. there's not a litany of uh, and a long list of top contenders occupying playoff spots in the West. You mentioned the two, the Avalanche and the Golden Knights. The Stars, they've got their warts. You know, It's easy to forget they went to a cup final a few years ago, but they're not a, a perfect team by any stretch. Mm-hmm. And neither neither are the Canucks. I, I still think Vancouver, while they've played well, they're still, there's still some prove it there for We're the not Canucks. A finished the Oilers product are a team. Yet. Yeah, they're not a finished product yet. There's still some, uh, you got to show me. My dad always says, I'm from the show me club. The Canucks, they got to show me a little bit more. The Oilers, we've at least seen them go to a conference final, win a playoff series last mm-hmm. year. There's been some consistent playoff success over the last couple of seasons. Let's let's see how they do this weekend against the Lightning and see how close they are to getting back into that contender uh, mix in Well, the a West. team who's trying to get to contender status in a couple of years is the Chicago Blackhawks, led by Connor Bedard. And coming up after this break, we're going to talk about has Bedard lived up to the hype that was placed upon him before this season? All right, Stevie, hockey's chosen one from Vancouver, BC, Connor Bedard, has gotten off to a very strong start. 14 games, 9 goals, 4 assists for 13 points. Of course, we're not expecting the 10-point Blackhawks to do much this season. But I got a stat before you before I pose this question. So Connor Bedard leads the NHL in player percentage of goals scored for their team with 26.5%. So he scored basically 26.5% of the Blackhawks goals this season. I want to pose this question to you because before the season, he was dubbed as the next one, the likes of, you know, Crosby, you know, you know, McDavid, the list goes on of that next generation. Who's going to take the torch next? From what you've seen so far in a 14 game sample size of Connor Bedard, has he lived up to the hype that was placed upon him before the season started? Yes. 100% yes. I mean, I saw a stat last night. I was watching the Lightning Blackhawks game, and he was like the third youngest player ever to record a four-point game. The other player was Ted Lindsay, and the other guy, it was some black and white photo. I can't even remember the guy's name. So that tells you all you need to know. Anytime you're, you, you create a milestone when you're mentioned with a guy like Ted Lindsay and another guy in black and white photo whose name I've never heard of before, that's it might not sound like elite company but it is because back then obviously scoring was a little bit easier and this, everything was a little bit way different so uh the the fact that bedard has been off to such a hot start and as you mentioned he's been so instrumental to chicago's offense early going you can't really say success yet because they're still going through mm-hmm. some struggles the blackhawks it, he's done pretty much all you can ask for and, and meanwhile the supporting cast that they brought in for him 
with the likes of Taylor Hall, they, they really haven't been healthy all year long either. So he's kind of had to figure this thing out with different line mates and on the fly. So just adds to how impressive his start to the year has been. I, it's such a loaded, I don't know why I came up with this question. I'm the one asking it, but when I look at it, it's almost like what, what would define as a successful season for Connor Bedard? This guy is dubbed as the number one overall pick two years before he was even drafted, right? He's supposed to be the generational talent. He opens up the season on ESPN with Sidney Crosby taking an open, opening face off that whole moment. He's playing for an original six franchise, a franchise that, you know, has fallen on dark times because of what happened during their golden years, right? And he's got to be the leader to repair that image of the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, and when I look at this, I think that there's such a, it's almost like a, not so much of a LeBron type situation where LeBron came into a Cleveland Cavaliers franchise that was just a losing franchise for years, never won anything. And he was, he was from that city. But it's very similar. Look, the Blackhawks were, after the Kane and Taves era, were a very bad franchise, right? Before that, they were you know, even worse. Um, when I look at this guy, what impresses me the most about him is how even keeled he is so far. We're seeing a guy who's not letting the moment get to him. And otherwise, Stevie, too, he's doing what he does best. Though. He's still playing his game. He has 44 shots in his first 14 games. He's on pace to get 258 shots on a 53-goal projection for this season so far, which would be outstanding, right? So when I look at this situation, has he lived up to the hype? Well, that's subjective to whoever you're talking to, right? Because some people had him being the next Wayne Gretzky and some people had him being a bust, right? So I kind of fall in the middle where I want us to see a wait-and-see approach. And I think from what I've seen from him, he's doing everything he has. He's shooting the puck. He's not afraid of the moment. He's getting in the corners. And he has a bit of show, a showmanship to him, which I think a team like Chicago needs. So when I look at Connor Bedard, I'm not going to say that what I watch him play so far, I don't think of him as like a McDavid at this moment yet because of the sheer speed. But I do think this is a player so far who will be an elite goal scorer for years to come. I don't know what the, what the playmaking yet. Now, maybe that's because the Blackhawks need to surround him with better pieces. But that goal scoring ability is at an already elite level early on in his career. Yeah, it's it's not often you see a guy who's the first overall pick come in and just be the guy from mm -hmm. day one. Look at a guy like Uri Slavkovsky from Montreal. He's still trying to figure yeah. out his game. He was the first overall pick. He really hasn't had that kind of success in the NHL. We've been spoiled, right? There's been some really good drafts lately. You've had Jack Hughes come in, and even he wasn't the guy from day one. He's really grown into it. Unfortunately, he's been dealing with injuries this year, but he, he didn't take over from his first step in the, the NHL. There was some talk, hey, after year one, maybe this guy isn't as good as we thought he was going to be. Mm -hmm. But I think with Bedard, that even keelness that you talk about just comes from the fact that he's been in the spotlight since he was like 16, 15 years old. Like he is so used to these talking points, these narratives being the the biggest attraction wherever he goes. So I, I just think with a guy like that, he's just well conditioned to be this superstar. And on every team he's been on, pretty much since the time, like you said, like he was a young kid, he has been the guy. And it, and in the NHL, to do that from the jump is very impressive. Well, it's been very impressive having you join us today, Stevie. I thank oh, you thank 1,000 you. times over some, and we'll see you soon.
That's it from us at Homestand Sports. We'll be dropping episodes throughout the week, so keep your eyes peeled for that. You can find Homestand Sports anywhere you download your podcast, including Apple, Amazon, Spotify. Thanks for listening. I'm Justin Pooney. This has been Homestand Sports, where stories, not stats, take center stage. Oh, 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 oh,